Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. I'm Christopher Greer and this is our second part of the Best Albums of 1992 special that uh, we, we thought we'd do for the end of the season. Uh, we had a really good response to our first part, which was Dave and I counting kind of down the 10 to 6 part of our top 10 lists. Uh, loads of good albums in there, but obviously we've kept our favourites until this one, and these are the really big hitters. There's probably going to be no surprises in here for what we've put, but, you know, you can see if you agree, you can see if there's something that we distinctly missed out that you would have had. As we say all the way through this, you know, 1992 was just such a brilliant year for music and album releases. There was so much to choose from, and that means there is also so much we had to leave out of our top tens. Uh, we mentioned it in kind of our, our also rounds, the stuff that almost made our top tens. Uh, and some of the stuff that you guys had in your top five lists that you sent over to us. There's just some brilliant stuff that we couldn't fit in. All of your lists that you did send, by the way, are up on our website. I'll put the link to that in the description of this podcast so you can see what everybody else was championing. And also, once again, in this episode, we do have some special guest contributors uh, giving us their choices of their favourite album of the year. So in this episode, you're going to hear from, for example, Darren, who was on for our Def Leppard episode, uh, Cy Sharp from Beat Rehab, who joined us for the Beastie Boys special we did. We've got a clip from Stephen and Remfrey from the Riot Act podcast. They kindly put something together for us. Uh, and what I've done, actually, is I have just put a clip in of what they sent me, but I've put the whole chat that they had at the very end of the podcast because they gave us a really good, long, in-depth conversation that they had about their choices and then we've also got the wonderful comedian Angela Barnes with her choice of album of 1992 as well. So thank you to everyone who did help us out on that front. That is pretty much us done for this season, uh, season three, which covered all of 1992. We are going to try and record one more special, which we're going to put out around Christmas Day for you guys. But then we'll be back in the new year with the kind of the, the next season proper, 1993. Thank you for all of your messages and your support and just staying with us for this season. It's been an absolute treat. We've really enjoyed ourselves. Major thanks, obviously, to everyone who's taken the time to to retweet our stuff on Twitter, uh, to share our links on Facebook. Just spreading the word like that means so much to us. That's how we're getting new listeners, hopefully. So, you know, this Christmas, if you want to give us a wee treat, one of the things that is going to be happening around the end of the year is there's going to be loads of people saying, what are your favourite podcasts of the year? And fair enough, we're not going to be your favourite podcast. We get that. We're not, you know, Louis Through. We're not Adam Buxton. But... If you can include us in your list, that would be fucking brilliant. Thank you. Right, let's get on with this and count down our top five albums in 1992. Hope you enjoy it. Give us a shout with any thoughts on social media. And, you know, have a brilliant Christmas and New Year. Obviously, this year it's all going to be a bit strange, but do the best you can. And we'll see you all for season four as soon as we can get around to recording it. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the show.
Yes, people, welcome to another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. My name is Dave Fensom. As always, I'm joined by Mr. Chris DeGreer. Still here. Uh, we've got Waffles the dog. He's here, still uh, asleep under Chris's chair and snoring still. Snoring dog. Like yeah. a motherfucker. Um, yeah, welcome to part two of our best of 1992 uh, wrap-up review, mm. all that kind of bits and pieces. If you're here and you haven't heard past one, I would thoroughly recommend uh, going back and checking that out first mm-hmm. uh, where we cover uh, albums 10 to 6 of our top 10 albums of the year this episode is going to be uh, numbers 5 to 1 if you only want to hear the top you you can skip the well, last then. one wouldn't recommend it though it's awesome it was pretty good there's a lot of good stuff that we talked about a already, lot of good shit but we are there. into the big hitters here the real fucking massive yes, favourites so yeah uh, you know just in case you haven't listened I'm gonna, we're going to caveat this by saying look 92 was one hell of a year for music wasn't it though my god uh, we've both cut our, our lists right down now, particularly for this top five, I'm, I've got an order in here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say it is mostly interchangeable. That's fair, isn't it? I think yeah. that's entirely fair. I, I, I have my number one is firm, so to speak. Uh, my number two is quite slushy. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, everything else, it could be a different day, different position. Absolutely, yeah. which is uh, which was my motto in the nineties. <laughs> Whilst wanking. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look, okay. Well, let, let's hop straight in here. Cool. Uh, so my number five. Yeah. Before I tell you what it is, uh, I'm gonna we're gonna hear from a contributor. This is uh, this is our good friend Darren, who you might remember from our Def Leppard yes, episode. Yes, indeed. You come on for a generalize. Uh, yeah. So let's have a listen to what he's got to say. What was his favourite album of the year? Yeah, trying to pick a favourite album from 1992 is actually quite difficult. I mean, there's some some really strong contenders in in the Black Crows and Southern Harmony Musical Companion. I mean, that's an album that takes me straight back to 1992 when I hear it now. Fantastic album. Um, Rage Against the Machine, that's going to be on everyone's list, I'm sure, if they had some sort of top five list. Uh, Angel Dust by Faith No More, brilliant album, absolutely brilliant. It was was my, number, my initial number one when I looked at the list. Uh, but then two other albums come up, Core by Stone Temple Pilots, I think stunning album, still sounds brilliant. But but for me, the best album released in 1992 was Alice in Chains' Dirt. Incredible album, still listen to it today, love the band, was lucky enough to see them on tour. That would be my number one. And yes, you've guessed it, uh, that's uh, my number five, Alice in Chains' Dirt. Wow, right. As I say... Any other day, it could be higher. Uh, I don't argue with it being, you know, with Darren having it number one. But look, the, as I say, the fact that it isn't just speaks to the quality of the year. Indeed. This is just a heart-ripping collection of some of the most angsty, heartfelt lyrics I've ever heard. Right. It's basically, you know, I mean, it's not exclusively, but for the most part, it's Lane Staley's kind of heroin diaries album fair enough uh, there's a lot of stories about struggling with addiction on there a lot of other bits as well you know like rooster obviously is his dad's story about you know kind of being a sniper in vietnam right sure all of these things but lane staley's voice and the harmonies that he does with jerry cantrell mm-hmm. are perfect an enormous part of what i love i mean about i think record. one of the biggest strengths that alison chains ever had was lane staley's voice oh yeah you know yes they had great tunes and Everyone else was brilliant on their own instruments. But the fact that Staley's voice was so strong and so amazing just gave it a real boost above so many other bands. 
Absolutely. I think, you know, you, you talk about Jerry Guitar's uh, guitar, if so, mm-hmm. they're just kind of swampy, mm. you know, playing in the low end. We took, you know, talked about Caius on the last episode. You know, there, there is, a, a, you know, there's a spiritual connection in some ways. Yeah. Alice in Chains were right in the more straightforward anthemic songs. Uh, yeah. You know, kind more of concise, more, more kind of standard rock uh, composition. You know, they got lumped in with the grunge era. To, yeah. You know, this has got a lot more in common with uh black sabbath than it has with nirvana yes you know there's not this isn't a punky sounding record in any way there's a lot of dissonant weird noise and stuff on it as well in places but this is a kind of just a great straightforward kind of you know hard rock heavy metal album Mm -hmm. with a slight kind of stoner edge to it and 92 were you straight on this album i had this album i think in 92 yeah yeah everyone was listening to this album because well, it didn't make it over in the rock world. In, in my world, it didn't make it. Uh, I wasn't listening to the the real rock stuff. I was listening to some of the heavier stuff in right. that alternative scene. But for whatever reason, this one never crossed over into so people, me and my mates. So people weren't playing wood in the clubs and stuff Not really. like that. No, I don't. I don't remember it from my, the clubs I went to in Belfast. I moved over to England the end of '93, and immediately from going to clubs there, I remember hearing it. But didn't make it to 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 my sort uh, of little i think my, my first little. introduction to this to this band was wood in a night in a nightclub yeah just that doom, 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 doom. Oh, oh my god it's and, so fucking good. and also no they weren't on no nirvana they were on another late show special or another late show that i taped off the tv right where they performed wood and them bones yeah and that was the first time i'd ever heard them and maybe that would have been probably 93 i guess and I've got that on a tape, you know, everyone I'm sure back then had a, a one VHS where they would record a track off anything yeah. that they could to play back. And I watched them over and over and over. But that was as far as I went. I didn't even know the album at all. But like, the thing is, like, you go, you go back and all this stuff is kind of remembered as a kind of a, a type of indie rock. But mm. like when we talked to Andy Coppin on our Rage Against the Machine episode, mm-hmm. and he went, oh, we had a student night, we had a rock night and we had an indie night. Yeah. And they, they were quite different audiences and Rage Against the Machine embraced all of them. Alice in Chains were a band that were more, much more embraced by the rock side. Yeah. You know, Kerrang! Were hold of, got hold of them early. And, you know, it, it was a good sell into a rock crowd. And they looked like a rock band. Yeah, and well. they were a rock band, yeah. you know. Yeah, they, sure. they were a rock band in the same way that, you know, Soundgarden were as well, you know. Yes, you know, You yeah. can definitely say Soundgarden and Alice in Chains had a lot more in common uh, with each other than they did with Nirvana or Mudhoney or... Yeah, that's fair. Entirely fair. But yeah, I mean, th- these are enormous, big, chugging rock songs mm-hmm. undercut by these beautifully kind of uh, self-loathing lyrics that kind of come out of it. I really, really, really struggled to pick a song off of this. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, yeah you know, there's so many things that I could have picked. Yeah. Wood, uh, Them Bones, Rooster. I mean, sure. it probably wouldn't have ever been Rooster. Rain When I Die, I nearly went with. Okay, I fucking yeah, yeah, love yeah. Rain When I Die. Angry Chair, Junkhead, all of these tracks. It's a it's an album full of absolute brilliant songs. Mm-hmm. What I've gone for in the end, though, I've gone for the title track, uh-huh. Dirt. Okay. Just for those opening lyrics where he's like, I have never felt such temptation and lack of self-control. Just right. the, the self-loathing that just drips off of him on that kind of big slow droney bit and then you've got that bit where it's just like one who doesn't care is one who shouldn't be mm-hmm. uh, you know he, he, 
he just like hates himself on this song <laughs> so much. You know, he is the dirt that is right. being talked about, and it's like, oh, that's so fucking painful. Yeah. It's so painful to hear someone exoriate themselves in that way, particularly someone who is just such a fucking talent. And you know, one of the classic wasted talent yeah, things here. No, nothing what makes, could have been. Nothing makes me sadder than the fact that he died so young Ridiculous. and in such a fucking wasteful way. Carewin is a fucking bad drug, people. Don't do it. Apparently so. I wish you told me that last week. Yeah, Just well, took it up. Oh, yeah. what? I know. Um, there are a lot of our listeners who agree with you on this one. Uh, this is uh, this appears in a lot of the top fives. Uh, we got Matt Davis. Uh, I mean, I don't know if his is, are in order, but he's got it at the first one. Um, similar to Formulaic 666 on Twitter, has this at the top of his chart. A Thousand Albums, it's in there. Darren is in DMA237 on Twitter, it's in his list. Dave Roddy, Raw Par Roddy, has got it at the top of his list. The Herd Collective, it's in there. You know, this is big album for a lot of people. And understandably so, man. It's, you know, it's a, a rock album, but with a lot of personality mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of pain. I mean, God, I mean, people take the piss out of grunge for being angsty. And, you know, you can't <laughs> argue with it here, but yeah. Christ almighty, what a record. Yeah. You still listen to this much today? Oh, yeah, all yeah. the time, man. I, I say all the time, not as much as I want to. It's not my go-to Alice in Chains record. I see, okay. Jar sure. of Flies is my go-to Alice in Chains gotcha, record okay. because I just absolutely adore it. Because I, I, whenever you said that you were probably going to be putting this top five, yeah. I went back and listened to this. Just, it was like, I, I wasn't into it at the time, which is probably why it's not in my 10. Yeah. I was like, I went back to go, all right, am, am I wrong? And I'm not wrong for me, but it is a fucking banger of oh, an album. Oh, it's a beast for Yeah, beast I had it on in my kitchen, and I was like, fucking hell, this is possibly too loud for my uh, flats, because it's recorded at such a high volume. Yeah. Really, just everything turned up to 20. And I should actually, on that subject, apologise again for showing up outside your house the other day playing hip-hop at an insane volume <laughs> so you could hear it from across the road. Indeed, Dave picked me up in his car, and... Uh, I got a text off him saying I'm outside. I was like, yeah, I knew that 20 seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> what <a> prick. <laughs> this rude boy across the road. Well, I didn't think it would carry that well. well. didn't think my stereo your, was your, your car is quite the boomer. Nice. Right, well, my number five is one that we're going to cover later on because I've gone for Faith No More's Angel Dust. And nice. I know you've got that higher up in your chart. I have. So we will cover that in its proper detail when we come to it in yours. Yep. Uh, so I'll move on to my number four. Uh, my number four is Tori Amos' Little Earthquakes. Oh, brilliant record. Again, Absolutely incredible. Sad, sad. One of the ones that I was sad didn't make my cut. Right, yeah. No, it, it's one of the ones that I don't think about too often. And whenever I was sitting down to go, what were those best albums in 92? It wasn't one of the ones that came straight to my sure. head. But whenever I looked at the list of what came out, I was like, oh yeah, of course I have to have that in because I think it is one of the best albums of that time. Um I was introduced to it by Niall Bakewell, again, the guy sure. who I've talked about before, not regular listener. He is a massive Tori Amos fan. In fact, he sent his top 10 to me about two months ago because he was aware that he always forgets and he wanted to get in early just nice. in case. And he's got this as number one. Um, so it, it, he's a huge fan. And Jenny Edge as well, who I went to school with, uh, she sent us her list. It's her number one. It is an album that means an awful lot to an awful lot of people. For various reasons. It doesn't mean those same things to me because I haven't lived those lives, but I can love it for what it is. I think it is an incredibly emotional album, beautiful songs, beautiful, heartbreaking, beautiful lyrics, and just some of the, the best 
the ways of expression, the ways that uh, Tori Amos can get the ideas across yeah. in it's it's poetry set to these brilliant songs. Um, at the time, I liked it. I thought it was all right. It wasn't until a couple of years afterwards that I pr- gave it a proper listen because yeah. it was on the one side of a tape, and I was listening to other stuff. I was listening to Chili Peppers and Radio Machine and all this other stuff. But whenever I did go, oh, I'm going to give this a try. Um, it might have been because I heard maybe Silent All These Years or something on a radio station mm-hmm. or whatever. I went, oh, that is dead good, isn't it? Sat down and listened and I was just blown away. Uh, from the very opening song until the end. You know, there's one misstep. I feel that Happy Phantom is a bit flimsy, but I still like it. Yeah. But there are so many songs on here that really, really get me. I think I think Silent All These Years is fucking incredible. It's insane, man. It's uh, such a good song. Oh, my God. Winter, I think, is beautiful. You know, this this yearning, uh, nostalgia for how it was when you were growing up, this sort of business. Um, even Precious Things, right? It's such a good fucking song with so many good turns of phrases. Um, but it's angry as well when it needs to be. Blisteringly angry. Oh, it's so angry. You know, there, there are bits of beauty and there's bits of... Fuck, oh, I wish this had gone a different way. But there are also bits of fuck you, fuck you for everything you did. Yeah. And I will never forgive you, that sort of shit. On the very obvious me and a gun, it's obviously that that is all it's about. Yeah. Uh, but throughout the whole thing, and there are great turns of phrases like, uh, I think it's in Silent All These Years, you find a girl who thinks really deep thoughts, boy, you best pray that I bleed real soon. How's that thought for you? That's a great line, That's you so know? That's fucking horrible. And, man. um, uh, you can make me come. That doesn't make you Jesus. Yeah, you know that's a great line. There's so many of them throughout this, and her voice is on point. The tunes, the piano, uh, for an album with very few, let's say, rock elements to yeah. it. This is a this is a heavy album in a lot of ways. Sure, um, and she's just incredible. This I've never been as big a fan of her subsequent albums as this one. I think this is incredible. I mean, I think um, Under the Pink's fucking brilliant record mm-hmm. as well. Um, I mean, look, I, even hearing you talk about this record, it kind of makes me feel almost like I've betrayed it by not having it on. Because <laughs> okay. the truth of the matter is, yeah. I, in the years subsequent uh, from 1992, mm. I've probably listened to this record as much as an awful lot as probably as much as most of the stuff in my in my ten to mm-hmm. six, sure, uh, and as much as some of the stuff in, in five to one, in, in yeah. five to one. Um, I love this album, and I, I I've got to say, I, I feel like it'd be remiss of me to say that you know th- th- there is something about including a Dr. Dre album with his history of fucking misogyny and yeah. fucking cry- and, and not including this. Okay, that seems in some you know if I look at this purely from a subject matter and a, like a kind of political thing then i would feel like i'd done myself a massive disservice in that way sure that's not the criteria i've gone to this involves what i was listening to at the time what had the impact on my taste and, and of course, of and, course. Is, and you know this album never had that massive influence on my taste and I, I never heard it and went this changes everything i came right. to it when i knew bits and pieces of it uh, and I came to it at a time when I was kind of ready for it. And I think this is a magnificent piece of writing. And, Stunning. you know, I, I'm not making the argument that some of the albums I've chosen are better on every level than those, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love this record, and I think it's a great choice, and I'm glad that you got it in here. Yeah, I think people who are fans, it's not the one where it's hard to be a, kind of a, a halfway fan of this album and go, yeah. it's all right. Yeah. I think 
either it hits you or it doesn't. And if it hits, it hits hard. It really gets its teeth into you. Again, it didn't show up in an awful lot of our listener ones, but like we've had, like I say, we've had Nalbeg, we've had Ginny Edge. It's also in Bren's uh, top ten that he sent us in. Uh, it's it's across a few of them, but it's not, I guess, for, like, the same way as me. It's not one of the ones that I just think of when someone says, "Name me your favorite album." In no, absolutely, it didn't come straight to mind, but I couldn't not. I think it's absolutely no, incredible. Uh, it's it, I definitely think it a hundred percent. Yeah. Earns its spot there. Sure. Uh, in terms of the song that I'm going to put in, I'm going to put in Winter. I was between that and Sound all these years because sure. I think they're both brilliant. Winter for me, again, it's just because I'm a, a miserable shit and it's about how stuff was really good many years ago and it, you never have uh, those insights again. I, love, I love that shit. We're, Absolutely we're, brilliant. We're, we're back into REM territory. Precisely. Precisely. Exactly. Oh, I mean, if you that. had a, a choice, would you do a different song? Do you think if you were, if you had included this, would you go Sign all these years or I don't know China? I don't know what I'd go with. To be honest with you, um, while you're thinking, just a quick aside. I really enjoyed. There was a, a time whenever um, uh, Donald Trump just tweeted out China, all caps, exclamation mark. That was the entire tweet. Yeah. And Louise Brown, a uh, friend of the show, yeah. uh, she just replied with. I think it was winter, exclamation mark. That's all it was. That was her, her reply tweet. It was just, nice. the, oh, we're doing Tori Amos. Wicked. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. yeah. I would probably go silent all these years, I think. Oh, it's just brilliant. Oh, my God. Okay. Chills right. on that one. Hello, boys. It's Cy Sharp here from Beat Rehab, an occasional contributor to the show. You wanted to know what my favourite album of 1992 was. Well, truthfully, it's Check Your Head by Beastie Boys, but I've already been on the show and talked about the album at length. So the album I would like to highlight for this, your wonderful end-of-year special, is It's a Shame About Ray by Lemonheads, which is just half an hour of three-minute pop song brilliance. Um, Evan Dando is just one of the great underrated songwriters um he's the kind of person that can just sing a song about uh, an everyday object he finds in the house and make it sound evocative and touching and humane but yeah that's my uh, my highlight of the year uh, outside of uh, the beastie boys i should add a caveat that this is the 1992 version uh, not the 93 re-release with mrs robinson stapled onto the end which completely ruins the flow of an otherwise perfect album. Okay, so my track four, mm-hmm. again, order aside, uh, I'm going for Helmet's Meantime. Right. And I know this is a band that you have an awful lot of fondness for. Look, this is, this is a band that very much changed what I was listening to. It made yeah. me go down a heavier direction. It's yeah. the band that I that I found hardcore through in some ways, even though it's not really, strictly speaking, a hardcore record. Uh-huh. It introduced me to Amphetamine Reptile records and some of the stuff that was on there. Sure. This was a big album for me and my friends. Oh, was that right? Yeah. A, an enormous album. I mean, I saw uh, across this tour and the Betty tour, I saw Helmet like five times or something like Jesus that. Jesus Christ. Saw him a lot, man. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I Fuck loved, up. loved this band. To me, it's just a brutal sounding record. Mm-hmm. It's the perfection 
of a sound, a particular sound. Because look, they, they were never as good before this. And as much as I love Betty, they were never as good again. This is a peak. The, the production, the razor sharp production on those riffs, mm. the way that kind of the, the droney kind of big guitars just sound so fucking heavy. The insanity of the drumming on this record, so tight, so crisp. Oh, the drums sound, I mean, there, there's a big openness to the snare sound. It's mm-hmm. a, a real expanse to the sound but it sounds so clear sounds so taut mm, uh, wonderful. I mean, obviously the drummer the, the drummer of this era of helmet would go on to be the drummer of battles oh, of course yeah. Um, yeah, yeah yeah john stanier absolutely fucking fantastic for me this was yeah you know when i heard this it was like this is a different kind of heavy it's a different kind of stark mm-hmm. he's taught i don't 100 percent understand everything he's talking about but it sounds cool as fuck had oh, that, it did sound so cool had that New York edge to it yeah. he just sounded like he fucking knew what he was talking about he did but there's also there's a nonchalance about his delivery and a lot of it and he's like too cool to be doing this yeah and I think you know I think it was almost a function of him not being able to sing over his riffs at the time uh, okay. there's this kind of real stop start staccato kind yeah. of thing to it and I think that like when he overcame that, the song suffered. No. <laughs> Better when he was worse. Yeah, I, right. I, for me, this was a life-changing record. Just like pure rhythm and aggression. Yeah, I love it dearly. Fair play. Um, one of the ones that you obviously you had at the time. Yeah, straight away. Still listen to it today? Yeah, yeah. yeah really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I still listen to this album. I don't necessarily. It's not. I don't I always go to it as a as a as a full album. Yeah. But the reason that there are albums lower in this list that I listen to more today. Mm. But in terms of how much it changed Impact. the way I felt about music right. and the amount of times I saw them live and the amount of memories that are very specific to this era yeah. that I attached to it, it had to be in the top five. Fair play, man. No, I, I can't argue. And yeah, it crops up a couple of times in uh, some of our this ones as well. Again, I think Cliff Perry, I think, had it in there. Yep. A Thousand Albums, again. I swear to God, the guy who runs A Thousand Albums Twitter account is either stalking you, Dave, yeah. or is uh, just reading your notes as we go through. And I think we could. Ha- I think we could have a chat and have a lovely time, and we could just listen to records. And we'll go. Yeah. Oh, have you heard this? And I'll be like, Yep. Yep. <laughs> Isn't it brilliant? <laughs> have you heard this? Yep. Oh, it's oh let's just listen to this then. <laughs> We'd learn nothing new, but we'd no. have a nice time. Yeah, indeed. So yeah, uh, I've got to choose a song. Yes, please. There's a lot of tro- songs I could have chosen from sure. this. Uh, and I thought about going with one of the kind of more obscure ones. Mm-hmm. I thought about mm-hmm. maybe doing Turned Out, which is a song that I particularly love. In the end, I just went, you know what? It's unsung. It, yeah. it's, it's unsung. It's like, the big Unsung one. was the one that I heard. And like, still it's funny, just, still, you know, yeah. talking about unsung being a pop hit or a pop single seems absolutely unreasonable. I'm, I'm so glad a generation of people found it through Guitar Hero. Oh, was it on that? Yeah, it was on Guitar Hero. Oh, the lovely. First Guitar Hero. Right. Um, so a lot of people know it from that, and you know, but fuck it. Um, I, I've, I've gone for some obscure choices for some of the rest of them. I'm gonna, this la- one. I'm gonna allow myself to have unsung. Totally fair. Right, that's going into the playlist. Lovely stuff. That's a good choice, man. That's a, it's a great, great one. Uh, that's your number four, yeah. That's my number, number four. four. Lovely. Well, tell you what, let's take a quick break. It's a slight aside here because I have put together a list of. The albums that we have covered in this season, so the albums that were number one in 1992 that we have talked about, um, and so, so the ones that we aren't going to have in our list, in our actual top tens, let's see what else was there and what we reckon the best and worst 
of those ones that we've had to fucking have a look at, all right? Yeah. So if we go from the very start of the year, we did Wet Wet Wet, High on the Happy Side, Bruce Springsteen, Human Touch, Def Leppard's Adrenalize, Annie Lennox, Diva, Right Said Fred, Up, uh, The Cure, Wish, Carter, The Unstoppable Sex Machine with 1992, The Love Album, Iron Maiden, Fear of the Dark, Michael Ball, Michael Ball, The Orb, UF Orb, NXS, Welcome to Wherever You Are, Mike Oldfield, Tubular Bells 2, Prince and the New Part, New Part Generation, uh, symbol, Love Symbol, and Bon Jovi's Keep the Faith. Those are the albums that we've done episodes on. We've done full episodes on all of those-ish. You know, Michael Ball, maybe not so much. But uh, we have had to look at all of these. Can you choose one of those that is the best of that lot? And can you also choose one that's the worst? Is there one that stands out either I way mean, for you? I mean, uh, it's between a couple for the best. Okay. Uh, for different reasons. Right. But I, I've got a fairly clear winner. Yeah. Uh, obviously, um, the... REM would have been here too. We've taken that out because we're going to be talking Indeed, about yeah, it, it in the it best features, of. Yeah. On a complete playing field, it would have been the REM album. Yeah. But I'm going to go with uh, The Cure Wish. Right, yeah. I mean, that, I remember how much you really loved that. I time. loved it. I yeah. missed it at the time. Very much regret missing that at the time yeah. now. I've listened to that an awful lot since. Uh-huh. It's uh, Of everything that we've, we've had here, it's the one I've listened to most. Carter had a good shot at it as well, I've got to say. I really enjoyed that. that. Same as, you know. Um, really, but, really impressed. But uh, I haven't listened to it as much since as I have the Cure album. I just I just loved everything about that. Uh, textures, lyrics, uh-huh. just really lovely piece of work. I mean, obviously, if you want to hear what we thought about it, go back and listen to the whole episode. Totally. No, I would agree. If, um, whenever I'm looking at the best of that lot, of those sort of, whatever it is, 14, 15 albums, uh, those two, Carter and The Cure, stand out for me. Yeah. I would probably edge towards The Cure because I think it's more of a a complete album. Yeah. But I think there were some absolute moments on that Carter one. And bo- both of those albums were ones I hadn't checked out before and was so pleasantly surprised. Lovely. So it was, it was a, a real nice thing to be able to go through and actually get a new uh, new something to, to listen yeah. to from and is, is that what you'd go for for your top of the year i think i'm gonna to have to cure you yeah fair yeah. enough yeah. Man. Oh, okay so that's a that's, that's, a that's double. That. i then, mean i mean to be fair man in in a year of a pandemic really you've got to go for the cure haven't you hey! <laughs> you really have but all also right. when you look at all the other stuff that's in there it's not exactly there aren't a lot of albums vying for the top spot no. with me. I mean, there really aren't. I mean, no. what what are you going to go for for the worst album of the year? Right Said Fred. Yeah, I knew you'd go for Right Said Fred. I'm Fucking not. hated that. I'm not. I'm going with no. Michael Ball. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. Michael Ball, it, obviously it's dreadful because yeah. it's a Michael Ball album, but it didn't annoy me the same way as Right Said Fred did. It annoyed me to the point that we didn't do a full episode on it. You're absolutely right. I wish we hadn't on Right Said Fred. I really I didn't mind. That. I didn't mind Right, right Said Fred in any way. No, you were you were much happier with it than I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But okay, so that, that, there you go. That's what I would say is the absolute pits for me. Uh, you've gone Michael Ball because obviously it's fucking dreadful. Ah, oh, terrible, mate. Terrible. Yeah. I don't think there's anything else that was close. I mean, to be honest with you, the weird thing is looking through this list again, right? Yeah. We listened to it several times. We recorded an episode on it. I cannot remember anything about that Wet 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 album. Probably for the best. That's how forgettable it was. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, it had that Good Night Girl as one of its big singles, which was number one for ages, but the rest of it was entirely forgettable. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so cool. that's that then. Yeah, nice, nice one. All right, that was just a nice little aside. Uh, let's go back into our lists. Okay, so uh, so your number three. Uh, right, well, my number three is Race Against the Machine, which I know you've got elsewhere in yours. I so have. hold off on that yep. for a minute. Um, 
what is your number three then? Well, my number three is your number five, which is Faith No Faith More, More, Angel Dust. Fuck, okay. Now, obviously, if you're a long-time listener to this podcast, you know that we've done a whole special on this. Yeah. Uh, so if you want more detail on this, go and check out uh, this record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, I thought this might be your number one because I know how much you love this it, record. You know, do you know what? It kind of could but, be. But like we've said, different day, different order. Yeah, I mean, all three of the top albums I've got if you asked me for albums I couldn't live without for my whole life, mm-hmm. a whole lifetime, 45 years of music, these three would always be in the list. Right, they're that good. Sure. And this is still an absolutely astounding album in every way. Uh, it runs the gamut of styles. Mm-hmm. It, it, this isn't as out there as Faith No More would go at times, I would say. But I think it's the perfect point where they balance some fucking strangeness with some absolute classic genius songwriting yeah i, I think this is an album that is full of great composition it's full of great riffs it's full of great ideas mm-hmm. i mean that's the main thing it's it's a unique sounding record it's a record that doesn't sound like it could have been made by anyone other than faith no more uh, absolutely um you know you've got you've got you know one of my favorite songs of all time midlife crisis on there Incredible. like you know, a song that I've listened to so many times and never, ever, ever get bored of. Sure. Uh, you've got, you know, you've got their heavy moments. You've got Caffeine and Jizzlobber, which are yeah. really, really out there. You've got yeah. RV for the weird kind of funny strange, side of things. Indeed. Yeah. You've got, you know... Uh, crack Hitler. Crack Hitler, fucking, fucking mental. Weird. You've got uh, fucking Be Aggressive with its kind of weird kind of cheerleading callbacks yeah. and stuff being about swallowing you know <laughs> indeed and a small victory and everything's ruined for you know more rock club anthems absolutely inescapable at the time yes you know you do again you wouldn't go to a rock club in 92 93 well through through the 90s and not hear a single from this album. or indie clubs either for some yeah, reason that's true. that was the thing you know whereas a uh, real thing was very much a metal record mm. this was a record that crossed over to the indie crowd and i would say epic did a, a bit but that was the only one yeah yeah. Off uh, real thing, but yeah, midlife crisis you would hear in, in indie clubs up and down the land as well. Yeah, I mean, I've said before that I prefer the real thing to this, but that's only because I heard it first, right? You know, if I was being totally honest with myself, this is a better record than the real thing. Yeah. Uh, it has better tunes, it's better produced, all those things. I just don't have the emotional connection that I do with the real thing on it, but this is absolutely. 100% brilliant. See, uh, it's a weird thing for me because the real thing, I have an enormous emotional connection because it sounded like nothing I'd ever heard. Mm-hmm. Much in the same way when we talk about Rage Against the Machine, it was like nothing I'd ever fucking heard sure, and I changer. needed to have it immediately. Yeah. I mean, I remember swapping. I, I worked at a comic shop and I swapped someone for the tape of it. I can't remember what I swapped. Oh, right. But I swapped. Someone had a tape it. and I sw- Yeah, I needed it. I had to have it. I, right. I hadn't had any money. I couldn't get it. No one else I knew had it. I had right. to, so I had to swap someone for it. <laughs> I, I, the, the old bartering system. That's obviously. how it worked, yeah. man. I, I, can't, I can't remember what I gave up, but it certainly wasn't as good as what I gained. Right. Sure. Um, I love this record dearly. I think, you know, Mike Patton just really comes into his own on this record. He's brilliant on this. And so as much as I love... Uh, uh, the real thing what faith no more were was for me when i think about faith no more i think about angel dust and i think about king for a day fall for a life right sure you're you you from here to next i go from 
previous to this one in my sure. favourites. Fair enough, right. man. Okay, well, we both agree it's absolutely brilliant. If you want, like we've said, if you want to hear a much, much more in-depth discussion, we've got an, an entire episode on this one, so go and check yeah. it out. But in, in kind of a pricey, in essence, it it is everything that you want from a kind of alt-rock album with a bit more balls to it than, you, than a lot of other stuff at the time. And a playfulness and a sense of humour. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but with riffs to die for. Yeah. With killer fucking tunes. Uh, what of the killer fucking tunes are you going to put into the playlist, mate? I'm going to go a left-field pick, Jizzlobber. Mm-hmm. Jizzlobber? <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> right. Just I love Jizz-lover. how fucking heavy Patton goes on this, the yeah. screaming. Oh, my God. Amazing. Fine. Uh, well, what we're doing on the ones that we have both chosen, we're both putting a, a track in. So there's yeah. going to be two tracks from this album. I'm going to go with Caffeine. Uh, the other super heavy track yeah. on this album. Yeah, yeah. that's just great. Uh, you know, whenever I was listening through to this, uh, going, which one am I going to put? Of course, there are, you know, the big one, Midlife Crisis, uh, Everything's Ruined. And I was very tempted. But for some reason, on my most recent listen through, mm-hmm. Caffeine just stood out to me. Caffeine's, Caffeine's one of my favourite songs on that record. Terrific. Sweet talk, Caffeine! And, uh, right, I mean, there are a ton of people who have this in their top five from listeners as well you know now Bakewell's gone there uh, Miss Disorder Lee it's in there Andrew Jacobs has got it as his best on his number one on his list and Matt Davis Matt Davis again yeah he's got it in there Mike Collins Mike Collins it. of course mate's on Mike Collins list indeed uh, and, and Darren again uh, Formula 666 has got this is number two after Alice in Chains, so very similar to yourself. Thousand albums, number one. Yeah. So uh, Darren, DMA two three seven, number yeah. one. We got a Dave lot Robbie of again. loves for this man. Cliff Parr from the Carolina Brunswick. He's got it. His top five again. So yeah, loads of different people. Gary Russell. It's so, in Gary exactly. Russell's list. Uh, I think this is one of the albums that probably had the most mentions. Yeah, I'd say so. One of them, anyway. Uh, uh, yeah. I think across a lot of different people's uh, uh, tastes. Let's hear from a couple more guests now. We reached out to Stephen and Remfrey from the fantastic and ridiculously popular Riot Act podcast uh, to let us know what their favourite albums of 92 were. Even though what they do on their podcast is talk about the stuff that's coming out now and they have just, as I speak, released their like top albums of this year of 2020 that you can go and listen to. Uh, but they were more than happy to come on and talk about something that happened nearly 30 years ago. I'll put links to their kind of social media and stuff in the description of this podcast, but you can go to riotactpodcast.com for ways to listen, follow them on social media, etc. Thanks again to both of them for taking the time to do this. They sent me over a really good, interesting, long chat about their the two albums they've uh, both picked. I've edited this down just for timing uh, to fit into this, but I'm going to put the full chat that they sent me at the end of this podcast so you can hear the whole thing and get a flavour of what they're their podcast is about. Hello, I'm Stephen Hill from the Riot Act podcast, the alternative music podcast, and this is my co-host, Renfrey Dedman. Hello. Tell you what, Renfrey, let people who don't know anything about our podcast into a little secret. Fuck! With, do we like the 90s? Oh, God, we like the 90s. We oh, wang, we, do we? We wang on about the 90s all the time, so this is a bit of us, very much so. So, yeah, thank you, Dave and Christopher, for inviting us on to do this. What's mad about the 90s is 1992, I just was picking what my favourite album could have been. I don't even think 1992 is a massively standout year, and yet there's still 
fucking loads of records that mm. I could have picked. Mm. Loads and loads of records that I could have picked. Obviously, up by right said Fred stood out a mile. Um, <laughs> just pipped at the post at the last minute by my pick, <laughs> which is the self-titled album by Rage Against the Machine. Never heard of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I kind of almost didn't want to pick this because it seems so blindingly obvious to mm. pick Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. It's so obvious. I mean, over as the years have progressed, I've started to think that maybe it's not even the best Rage Against the Machine album. You're a big, e- you're an Evil Empire fan, aren't you? I am an Evil Empire guy. I mean, you know, talking about how much I like the 90s, 1996, the greatest year for music ever. Oh, here we go. That's yeah. a, no, 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 that's it. That's all I was going to little tease there that's what it is um but you cannot argue with just how phenomenal that debut rage it's machine album is and i think when it came to it, i was looking at stuff like i mean we've spoken about it. copper blue by sugar southern harmony by the black crows automatic for the people by rem is obviously an amazing record as well yes and the chronic by dr dre there's loads of what you're going to pick as well mm. but for me rage it's the machine is the only one of those albums that still sounds like it's about to be released in a year's time from now. It sounds so incredibly forward-thinking for 2020, Mm. let alone 1992. Mm. I think speaks volumes for just the enduring brilliance of this record. I mean, it's a very, very good pick. Not quite as good as my pick, in my opinion, obviously. Um, I think I have to go with Angel Dust by Faith No More, one of the most creative bands ever, a band impossible Mm. to pigeonhole. But the songs on Angel Dust are just the absolute best songs they've ever... And I mean, Jizz Lobber. There's a song called Jizz Lobber on Angel Dust. Is there there a song uh, called Jizz Lobber on Rage Against the Machine? I don't think there is. I don't think you can... There's not much of a political, allegorical statement to be making from a song called Jizz Lobber. And I think that's quite important for Rage Against the Machine, actually. So that's probably why they eschewed that title. I'd rather have Jizz Lobber than politics, personally. Um, I don't know what that says about me. But um, this is not even your favourite. You love Faith No More, but it's not even Faith your no favourite. Faith No More are my second favourite. Yeah, it's a Faith No More are my second favourite band ever. Mm. And yet I don't think this is the best Faith No More album. Silly I, it boy. Is, no, I don't think it is. Actually. I think King for a Day is the best Faith No More album. They are a very, very good band. I think that's two very, very good bands that we've picked. They're very good. And I was I was being facetious when I was taking the pick out Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. Anyway. Thanks, guys. Thanks, so thanks guys. <laughs> thanks for having us. Okay, well, look, let's take a quick break there and mm-hmm. let's have a look at those number one singles from this year right okay actually uh, just before you list them um i looked into the the chart thing on this and there are only 12 singles in this list that's crazy isn't it across 52 weeks exactly um because so many of them were there for a long time there was no single that was only a one week uh, number one uh which apparently hadn't happened since 1971 in the charts that was a fact but yeah all of these were at least two weeks so yeah, what we got there? Okay, we had a wet, 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 good night, girl. Mm-hmm. Shakespeare's sister, stay. Right, yes. Right, said Fred's deeply dippy. Yeah. KWS, please don't go. Eurasia, Aberesque. Oh yeah. Jimmy Nail, ain't no doubt. Jimmy Nail. Snap, rhythm is a dancer. Shaman, uh, Ebony's a good. Mm-hmm. Tasman Archer, sleeping satellite. Boys to men, end of the road. Charles and Eddie, would I lie to you? Uh-huh. And then probably the monster single of the year, uh, Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You. Right, yeah. And this is it. You can see that some of those, Whitney Houston, you know, that was number one from, I think, the middle or end of November 
through to the end of the year and then through January of the next year. Mm-hmm. It was forever. Yeah, that, yeah. That's obviously taken up a huge chunk. Also spawned uh, that, that brilliant joke. What's Whitney Houston's oh, oh, favourite type of coordination? Hand high. Brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, wet, wet, wet. At the start of the year, that was number one for ages. Yeah. And Shakespeare's Sister Stay was number one for like six or seven weeks or something, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was. It was, it, was, it was a monster. Huge. Absolutely. Okay, so let, we're going to pick. Mm. We're going to pick a best and worst from this set of twelve. Right. Okay. Is there an easy best of for you? Is it, or are you deliberating? I mean, I think it's a terrible it's list a bad, of songs. Bad, yeah. uh, I mean. Yeah. I don't mind that KWS song. No, no, really? Oh, no, yeah, but pl- please, please don't, don't go. go. Yeah, I don't mind oh, that. Oh, mate, that's awful. I would have that probably as the worst one on No, that. hang on, I'm fucking thinking of the wrong song. No, no, fucking ignore me, no. D- no, I I, know do, do, do you know what I'm thinking of? I'm oh. thinking of K7, Come Baby Come. Oh, right. No, yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 KWS, please don't go. No, that's terrible. Shit awful. Um, no, there's not much there that I like. I, uh, I'm going to go with Shakespeare's Sister Stay. I thought you might do, because you have... You bought the album at the time. I bought the you? first album. Didn't buy the second oh, album, right? okay. but I still enjoyed it. I right. I think at least it's a proper song. Oh yes, I remember. I remember enjoying it at the time. I remember getting very bored of it quite quickly because I was that sort of dickhead. and it was ubiquitous in that it way was, that yeah. you could get bored with stuff. Yes, uh, and particularly, and this is the thing. When we talk about getting bored with stuff, it's because there were so few channels, and when the popular stuff filled it up, it meant you weren't hearing anything else. Yeah. And that was frustrating. Yeah, totally, totally. So that would be your choice of like the best of that bunch. Yeah, what, what are you going to go with for the best? I'm, I'm torn between two. Oh, yeah? Uh, I mean, I, the Shakespeare Sister one definitely would be up there. But for me, there's two, and they are both not very good. But I remember really liking them at the time. Okay. One is Charles and Eddie, Would I Lie to You. I really like that as a good pop song. I think uh, that's a really good pop song. Unforgivable. I, I think that's catchy as all hell. You're, you've gone insane. Uh, well, well, wait until you hear the other one. Sleeping Satellite by Tasman Archer. Uh, see, I, I'll, I'll, give, I'll, I'll give you a pass on Sleeping Satellite. I think that's a really good tune. <coughs> I think it, I think it's got a good melody. I think it's a yeah. it's a well written song. Really catchy. I think it is. It's a bit dull. It's it is. It's, 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 it's a bit poor face. It's a bit Desiree, isn't it? It is exactly that. Yeah. But I think uh, I, L- I, I did like. Let's call her uh, Low Resleray. <laughs> um, so okay, well maybe maybe I'll go Sleeping Satellite then because it is. I think it's a good one. And there's so little else in there to make me debate it that i got to go with something. I mean, picking a worse one is harder. Uh, it's much harder because I would I'd give three or four of those like zero out of ten. Okay, what, what, what are you going to go with? What's your worst? My worst is probably, probably KWS. Please because I, I think it's just fucking dreadful, uh, bland, insipid, life-sapping. I would. It, I, Life's I would. I was <laughs> honestly mad. I think it's some of the worst things. Um, I would. I almost would go for deeply dippy though because it, that annoys me so much. Yeah, but and, and, but that that would be more a vendetta. It I would think. be exactly because I don't think that's the worst of their songs. No, and it's not as bad a song as KWS. Please don't go. But I just I, I take against it. So I'm going to go KWS anyway. What about you? I oh, see. I, I can make a case for for both of those songs. Yeah, I've always had a particular dislike for Snap's Rhythm is a Dancer. Dreadful. I think it's a dreadful, Fucking dreadful awful. song. Yeah. And like, I don't know, man. Like, uh, I, I really want to say Jimmy Nails, ain't no doubt. <laughs> like, I really want to okay. because it's an abomination. Yeah. But I'm thinking about the hook. There's and a I'm catchiness going, to that chorus. There is a catchiness yeah. to the chorus and it would be... <laughs> as shameful as it is to admit... He goes, ain't no doubt it's plenty. I don't know what I'm well, going to go with. Look good for me. 
Um, I mean, are, are you going to go with Erasure's ABBA-esque because you hate ABBA so much? No, I think no. I'm going to, because I love Eurasia. Right. I think I'm going to go with Wet, 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 Goodnight Girl. Bland. Bland, yeah. yeah. Bland. Bland. Fair enough, okay. But that is a god-awful run of number one singles. Imagine if you showed someone, oh, 92 was this brilliant year for music. Oh, yeah, yeah what were all the number one singles? Here you go. Well, this is fucking I mean, dreadful. If if ever something reflected the fact that the people are idiots. I, well, yeah. I tell you what, man. I would... It's not going to be my favourite at any point, but I remember really hating Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You at the time yeah. because it was this ridiculous, overblown thing that stayed at number one for eight years. Yeah. It's a good tune. It's a good it tune. A good it's a good tune. tune. And I do like her uh, version of it. Yeah. In a similar way to, you know, we talked about it on the last one. It's a, it's a song that pushes all the right buttons in the right order to make you feel an emotion. It's like, all right, yeah, here's the the, the, the build up, the silence and the drop. Yes, you've, you've done me. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of those songs that will put you directly back in that time period as well, because it was a soundtrack to everything that was happening. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, you couldn't get away from it, but that's probably why I didn't like but it. But yeah, fucking what a wonderful year for albums and what a shocking <laughs> fucking list for singles and albums to a certain degree. Yeah. I mean, it really does show you that when we set this podcast up to go, we were listening to all this great music, were we missing something in the mainstream? Uh-huh. Not much. Do you want to know what the top two best-selling albums of 1992 were? Uh, oh, let me have a guess. Let me have a guess. Mm-hmm. Uh Simply Red. Yep, that's number one. Not released in 1992, but the best-selling album of the year. And oh, and the, the the number two is also not a 1992 album. Is it a best hit? Best no, of? No, no, no. Oh, I've taken out the best ofs for my oh, okay. my list here. Also, not a 1992 album. Uh huh. Um, what was happening? We did do an episode on it. Oh, we did an episode. Uh-huh. On we it. did it in '91. We did an episode on it. In '91, we did an episode on it. What was released at the back end of that year? I don't know. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, Dangerous. of course, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, those are the top two best-selling albums of 92, and neither of them came out in that year. Well, and... But they were just monsters. Yeah. The, fir- the first one, number three, is Annie Lennox Diva. Yeah. yeah. Number four is Genesis We Can't Dance, which came out the previous year. <sighs> Fucking rubbish. I mean, <laughs> yeah, have you seen Phil, Phil Collins being... If you ever listen to our first episode about Phil Collins, mm-hmm. it won't have failed to amuse you the amount of legal trouble he's going through about a divorce at the moment. Is he? Oh, and, and, and nor- again. Oh, there's a huge story. It's. A, I mean, oh. he sounds like he's getting fucked over quite badly by oh, his dick. Right? But oh. but we were right. There's another problem. It's, it's an ex-wife that he divorced and remarried, who then who then uh, left him and moved her new husband, who she married very quickly, into his house. To nice. try and claim possession of it. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, and uh, and basically, he's uh, they're currently uh, um, doing rehearsals for a Genesis World Tour that was supposed to be this year and has been cancelled, been postponed back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's fucked his back so badly from years of drumming yeah. that he has to be wheelchaired in. Shit. So now no longer can he not dance. He can't walk oh, either. No. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, it's fucked up, man. Dear God, is that uh, his son's playing drums for a lot of it? Oh, I see. Yeah, I did see that Phil Collins was trending on Twitter a couple of days ago, and I didn't check out why. I assumed it was just because our podcast had got yeah, really exactly. popular again. Yeah, I'd have thought so. Right. Cool. Okay. okay. Well, that was just another little aside there. Uh, let's get back into, I guess, our our list of albums. Okay. So, Krista, what is your number two? My number two. Right. Well, we did mention it in the previous episode because you had it in the bottom half of your list. 
But we are finally at this one for me, REM, Automatic for the People. This is my Wonderful. number two. Yes. Okay, so before we do your number two, uh-huh. let's have uh, let's have another contribution from one of the friends of the show. This is star of Mock the Week and a variety of other TV shows, live at the Apollo, uh, the very, very super talented comedian Angela Barnes. Hello, Angela Barnes here. And uh, the guys from Pop Collaborate and Listen have asked me to talk about my favourite album from 1992. Um, And I'll be honest with you, I was hoping to be able to talk about an album that made me look really cool. And had it been 91 or 93, I think I could have done that. Um, However, I'm going to be honest and say it's not not cool. You know, I'm not, it wasn't a Jason Donovan album or anything like that. But I think my favourite album from 92 has to be... um, Automatic for the People, R.E.M. It's definitely the album from that year that I still listen to. Um, the first song on it I remember hearing was Everybody Hurts. And uh, I can remember having my stereo set up in my bedroom uh, with a blank tape in it, just ready, waiting to hear the song play on the radio so I could press play and record because that's how we got our music in the 90s. Actually, I bought the cassette single of it in the end and then bought the album and it's it's full of great songs um i mean man on the moon come on night swimming yeah if i had to pick my album from 1992 it would be automatic for the people rem uh love a bit of michael stipe it is so quintessentially 90s yet you know it doesn't sound that dated you can still enjoy it i still enjoy it i do there that's me being honest um, I've been Angela Barnes, and uh, if you like podcasts, you obviously do, because you're listening to one. Um, I've got a history podcast, and I don't be put off by that. It's a silly history podcast. It's me and the brilliant John O'Farrell. Each episode, we take uh, something from history that interests us, makes us laugh, and have a giggle about it. Uh, it's called We Are History. You can follow us on Twitter at We Are History Pod. Yeah, cheers. Here's to a better 2021 than 2020 was, and... Uh, Hope to see you in the real world soon. Bye. Angela is a mate of mine and knows her shit about a lot of things. And she is an absolute history obsessive, particularly Mm. when it comes to nuclear bunkers. Well, there we are. Knows a a thing or two about those. Uh, So do check out her podcast, We Are History. What I will say is, uh, because I watched all of her uh, appearances on the House of Games this week, and she did miss a question about the Blue Peter theme as done by Mike Oldfield, which she would have known had she swatted up on our Mike Oldfield episode. Absolutely. So, tut, yeah. tut, 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 Angela. Yeah. But uh, thank you very much, Angela, for, for doing that little insert for us about REM. That's really cool. Uh, and like I say, it's my number two. It was my number ten. I was surprised whenever you said it wasn't going to be in your top five. Okay, now I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Right? Go for it, okay. Now, on a different scale, different day, this would be number two, number three, yeah. whatever, right? The reason it's not is as highlighted in uh, the, the full episode that we did on it. Yes, indeed. Again, we did a full episode on this. Because this, get this was episode. a number one album. Yeah, uh, but this is a painful listen for me. Yeah. It's a now and then record. It's a That's time capsule a bucket of feelings that I have to commit myself to douse myself in uh-huh. like a fucking ice bucket challenge. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so the, the reason I haven't got it in there is simply for that reason, because it's been such a tough listen to me over the years that it hasn't been a regular listen for me. Entirely fair. Entirely fair. It is one of these ones because of the uh, emotions and the memories you have attached to it. 
Mm-hmm. Why would you so submit to yourself that over and over in the, in the same way that you are going to with Faith No More and Alice in Chains? Yeah. Why would you go into it all the time and go, fuck yeah, brilliant? When when you do hear it, it's you know you realise it's amazing, It's but it's not exactly yeah, what I mean, you it go is, to. It is realistically the album that probably has the most emotional baggage mm-hmm. attached to it for me of all records. Right, sure. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, it's an amazing record. It's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, the reason I don't have this at number one is because my number one is like my favourite album of all time sure. and therefore that's what it has to be. But I think this is almost a perfect record. Sure. Uh, I came into R.E.M. towards the end of the green period but then out of time and Automatic for the People were my period of R.E.M. Yeah, me too. And that's when I it hit me in the right way and that's what I say. That's my memory of REM. I don't think of them as, you know, the stuff from the eighties, the documents, the the early IRS albums. I don't think of them as monster onwards. I think of them as this album. And I think this hasn't dated hardly at all. I think it's fucking brilliant. It still sounds yeah. Production wise, it still sounds incredible. It hasn't. It doesn't sound like an album made thirty years ago. But uh, in terms of the topics and the things that it's talking about and the way it says things. It's just brilliant. You know, it's still as powerful today as it was to me then. You know, from the opening track, from Drive, from the first time you hear those kind of guitar lick of Drive coming in gently to the final, final notes of Find the River, it's start to finish brilliant. If you were looking at one of these weird dictionaries that people have where instead of definitions of word, there's pictures, you (laughs) just have a picture of this under the word sincerity, wouldn't you? This is the thing, you you know, you don't ever doubt the sincerity of yeah. it. I just just recently watched the uh, I mean, not about this album, obviously, but about uh, losing my religion. But I watched the uh, the song Exploder documentary. Oh, I just watched that. Really, really good. Very interesting. Absolutely. Just, you know, you know, I'm fairly sure I like everyone in REM pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it was, it was it was a joy to see them getting so much out of that, listening back to that song. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. For a band, fair enough. They've not performed together in X amount of years. I would love to see them do one show, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. So, look, guys, if you want to hear us talk about more about that, go and check out our, our episode on it. Uh, it was yes. a, out a few weeks ago. Plenty more to talk about on that. Uh, and, yeah, that to me as well, I think, is probably the, the episode of this podcast that I'm most proud of. Well, we got so much good feedback off that. It really hit with a lot of people. Yeah. And we weren't sure if people would give us the, the leeway to be a bit more serious and not make dick jokes all the time yeah, yeah it's great but yeah if you if you want to if you want to listen to that first and then be disappointed at the the rest of that <laughs> yeah. output that's, that's, that's a good, good advice go that, yeah uh, and this was another album that is across so many of the listener lists yeah. uh you know uh, jenny edge dave poulton as it is number one neil medacroft's got it in there bren dollard yeah. matt davis's list mervyn dinnan's got his number one bogdan uh Tiganoff has yeah. got it again sorry i mispronounced it as well bogdan i do apologize i mean to be honest with you it's in more of these lists than it's not indeed it's one that seems to unite an awful lot of people uh in terms of taste i think i said this in our episode but it was one of the albums that didn't just appeal to me and my indie mates or me and my kind of alt rock mates in the sixth form that i was in at the time everybody loved this album the people who would only listen to the top 10 singles or would go and out raving or yeah. were, were going to the cheesiest pop clubs and, that you can imagine they were into this album because it was such a, a broad stroke mm-hmm. yeah for sure absolutely fantastic uh you got to put a song into the the playlist of this one what are you gonna do 
my initial thing was drive, but then mm -hmm. I went, do you know what? No, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna go with a deeper cut. Uh, I got so much out of Sweetness Follows oh, uh, when I listened God. to it back for the uh, for the podcast. Sweetness Follows is my track. That's your one, lovely stuff. I was uh, I was gonna go with um, Try Not to Breathe because that was my favourite one off the album, but because I talked about it so much on the episode and I put it into that one. I've gone with Night Swimming because we didn't put that into our playlist on that episode because yeah. there was too much to choose from and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to stick that one in here. Yeah, so Night, Night, Night Swimming is a, oh, a it's incredible and a good choice. Absolutely incredible. So yeah, that's my number two. So let's have a talk about some of the stuff that people sent through to us that, you know, some of our also rounds and some stuff. Sure, that's, the ones that let, almost made the list. Yeah, let's, let's talk first about... Um, some of the albums that maybe weren't in our conversation mm -hmm. to mention them more than anything. The ones that possibly we didn't think of or just weren't enough uh, on our radar at the time. Things like Pavement, Standard and Enchanted. Right, Quite a few people have mentioned that. I wasn't a huge Pavement fan. fan. I love Trigger Cut. I think this is a good album, but I, I wasn't a big enough fan. It didn't make my cut. I had a big Pavement phase, but right. I kind of had a... Again, one of those things where I, had, I listened to a lot of Pavement yeah. at once so I don't yeah, discount the albums as much uh, Spiritualized we got on here Laser Guided sure. Melodies again and I know that uh, our friend Darren would say the same This uh, Dave Poulton has it yeah. on his list I know Darren would say the same because he loves Spiritualized they ne just never meant enough to me that I was like I need to include this album No, Copper Blue by Sugar got an awful lot of mentions that was, that was in my others and that all I mean if we'd done a top 13 let's say I'm pretty sure that would have been in there because that is a fucking great album that was on my that was on my long list yeah Right. Uh, but, it's terrific but only because I I never re I, I heard it a lot but yeah. I never owned it right Ministry Psalm 69 is on a lot of people's lists yeah that was on my that was on my yeah. long list that was just outside for me right but it wasn't on mine because I like Ministry one track at a time every so often I am not enough of a fan to listen to a whole album. Oh, I hammered that album yeah. back to back all the time, yeah. Right, fine. Uh, Neil Young, Harvest Moon. Not as many mentions as I expected. But I mean, it's one of those ones that in critics' lists and stuff like that as well is very, very well respected. Yeah, we've got a Paul Weller album in here, which I cannot abide. <laughs> Sorry, Bren. Um, uh, Pantera, we, Vulgar Display of Power. Well, yeah, I mean... Uh, that we've was, already heard Andy Copping talk about it, but we haven't mentioned it, really. No, absolutely fantastic album. Yeah. Uh, you know, could have been in my top ten easily in terms of albums that had a big impact at the time. Some decisions have to be made, and I think my decision not to include it here is broadly because Phil Anselmo is a racist. Uh, well, yeah, that does taint a lot of stuff, but you can't fault it for uh, the music and the riffs. No, uh, absolutely not. What else did you have in your also rounds? Give me a quick run through. First of all... Um, Couple couple of things that I'll, I'll caveat. Uh, both Nine Inch Nails and Tool had big releases this year with Broken and Opiate. Mm -hmm. uh, either of those would have probably made my list in normal terms, but those are EPs, not albums. So, I, so Many I just, albums sort of thing. Yeah, so yeah. I... Uh, I, I didn't allow Similar that in there. Similar to therapy for me, I guess. Uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, Henry's Dream. I think Barnaby had that in his top five. Yeah, he did. That's that's a great record, but it's just not quite top league not uh, top Nick 10. Cave for me sure. a Rollins band End of Silence that's an absolute powerhouse of okay. a record and I'm surprised not to see that mentioned more in other people's lists again maybe it made a, would have made more top 10s if we'd asked for top 10s it's one of those ones sure yeah. uh, White Zombie La Sexa Sisto sure a lot of fun 
A lot of fun, it really man. Is. You know, it's Some got it's got Thunder on Kiss that. on it, man. What a record yes. that is. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, I mentioned Far Side Bizarre Ride for yeah. reasons that's not. But made. yeah, Far Side was in my uh, long list as well. Almost had that one in there. I, I'm surprised that I don't have any proper hip hop. I mean, I'm going proper hip hop in mind. I've got yeah. Body Count, which is a rapper, and I've got uh, Radio's the Machine, which is some MC, and but I don't have any uh, actual hip hop in my top ten. Well, I mean, arguably your number one is, but it depends well, they, which side and, you go down. Yeah, sure, and the um, Brand New Heavies one, but it's not a full hip-hop album sure yeah. i mean I've, i mean i've got three which just goes to confirm that i'm a bigger hip-hop fan than you indeed but i've got two female artists so i'm i'm more uh woke than that well that is true yeah. man well but i did, i got disposable heroes of hypocrisy uh with hypocrisy is the greatest luxury i've got that in my long list and the goats tricks of the shade as well nice. both of those very nearly made it um i've got the flaming lips hit to death in the future head which is the first time i'd heard them and really like that james seven even though it was never going to be a top 10 for me, I think it's a fantastic album. That's in Dave Polton's list as well. I've yeah, got it is a great, great album. Um, I've got Nirvana's Incesticide in there, but it is a compilation, so it sure. doesn't really count. We can't have that. Uh, but then I've also got Pantera, Farside, Sugar, Therapy, which we've already mentioned. Yeah, and There's think- a lot of stuff. When you look at all of this stuff, you know, when you look at everything that came out... It's fucking insane yeah, how much sure. good stuff came out this year. And I know I sound like someone's granddad going, oh, well, you wouldn't get that these days. But if you look back on these records, some of these are just absolute evergreens and will yeah. never um, be out of style. Not out of style. will never be slated as, oh, well, it was of its time. Yeah. Some of them are, but so many aren't. And I cannot think of albums, you know, not this year, 2020, obviously for various reasons, but even in the last 10 years, I can't think of an album that I think in 30 years' time will be talked about in the same way as Automatic for the People or Angel Dust. So let's go and do our top two, obviously. So obviously, uh, you know, uh, my number two uh, was was Beastie Boys' Check Your Head, which which is is your number number one. one. Your number three three was Rage Against the Machine, Rage Against the Machine, which is my number one. Indeed it is. So So let's do... We're both agreeing that they're both a bit good. Yes, indeed. So which one do... I mean, mean, for both of these albums, we've got uh, special episodes. Yes, yes. All right, so look, let's, let's talk about Check Your Head. Lovely. Right, well, this was... One of the ones that, whenever I was talking earlier about you know, records that I didn't hear at the time, yeah. but made such a big impact after, whenever I did hear them, that that's why they're in my top ten. I heard this probably a year after. I, it came out in April of 92. I didn't hear it till the summer of 93, yeah. but instantly I was like, fucking hell, this is amazing. Yeah. And to this day, I would still say I've not heard an album that does what this does as well mm-hmm. you know or i mean i've heard very few albums that do what this album does because it is one of these ones that goes across so many different types of music i mean this, this kind of pop culture uh like magpieism is something that is the trademark of the beastie boys yeah they're, they're, they've got their feet in hip-hop they're you know the early early doors hip-hop yeah they've got the, you know, the no one can fuck with their claim to fame with hip-hop they've got obviously their roots in hardcore and they, they mm-hmm. just they, they and they knew their shit they're they redefined a lot of the night. The, the, yeah. You know, you forget everyone used to wear old school trainers. You never saw people wearing those old school white bottom trainers until the Beastie Boys started doing it. Right. They changed the way everyone fucking dressed in alternative music. If you saw anybody skating, they dressed like the Beastie Boys. Yeah. yeah. They were all about the right bits of culture at the right time. And they 
changed the fucking way the world works. Yeah, and they were the coolest motherfuckers doing it. Yeah, and it's, this is this is my favourite Beastie Boys album. The yeah. Beastie Boys are one of my favourite all-time groups. The reason I put this number two rather than number one are arbitrary. It didn't have quite the impact on me when I first heard it, this record, because I heard Ill Communication first. Gotcha, sure, and, yeah. You know, sure. the, you know, the received wisdom is that, you know, maybe Ill Communication is a slightly inferior reworking of Check Your Head. I don't quite agree with that. I think it's a great record in its own right. Fair enough. Uh, I think Check Your Head is the superior of the two records, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it didn't have quite that impact on me when it first came out, but it is a record I have played to death. Oh, I can't get tired of it. No. I honestly cannot get tired of it. And it's one of the ones as well that if I put it on, uh, or if, if I just like play track one, I'm like, actually, I'm going to listen to all this again. Yeah. You know, and I'm not in the same way that you are a person who listens to albums often. Mm-hmm. I am much more of a pick and choose, playlist, shuffle sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I cannot get enough of this album of Check Your Head. No. I think it's absolutely brilliant and makes me like some sorts of music that I would not be inclined to like. It makes me like some hardcore stuff, yeah. um, some of the more punky edges of things, which I'm not the big fan of. Yeah, I know. But the way it's done here, the way it fits in, absolutely brilliant. But the bits that I would be more inclined to like anyway, the hip-hop bits and the funk bits, fucking genius. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I, I feel, you know, I, I mean, I, I say I'm, I'm inclined to like all of the bits of it. You know, it, it may always, it's one of those records that made me much more interested in funk. Uh-huh. It, it's an album that made me want to kind of collect all the references and try and yeah, understand you did. You the reference. Yeah, you wanted to get into it, yeah. And look, man, I mean, like I say, we've got a whole episode on this where you, me, and our good pal Simon talk about it ad infinitum. Yeah. Um, so go check that out if you want to hear a bit more about that, For if you haven't sure. already. Okay, so we need to put some songs in. Krista, what are right. you going with? Well, I have gone with, and this was a tough one for me because there's so many on here. Yeah. Like that one, no, that one. I've eventually just gone with track one, Jimmy James, yeah. because A, I love the intro on it, the the sample of, uh, here's the new first song on a new album. I love that. But as soon as that bass line comes in, boom, 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 boom. And then the drum beat on top, I just get goosebumps. Because yeah. I know what's coming, but I also just think it's an incredible song. So I've just gone straight with that with Jimmy James. Yeah, it's a fucking masterpiece of a track. Banger, mate. Um, I've gone for Pass the Mic. Love it. Which is yeah. just, you know, my love of a love posse it. cut is well known. It's one of my favourite posse cuts of all oh, time. Oh, it's so well put together, yeah. yeah. But again, with the brilliant little bass lines in there. The boom, 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 boom. So I would have gone for So What You Want, but we put that on the other playlist. It's fine. Um, no, that makes sense to me. But yeah, that's, that's great. Like. And so that means that my number one is Rage Against the Machines. Yeah. Uh, Rage Against the Machine. Self-titled, brilliant. Yeah, again, you know, if you've been listening recently, you'd have heard our episode on it. Yeah, well, uh, it was, you know, it only came out in November of 92, so it's yes. only a few episodes back, but... Even though it was number one, we were like, we got to do a full one on this. Yeah. I mean, without, you know, without kind of going over old ground too much, this album just fucking changed my world. It was like, yeah. you know, I, I say we'd heard Faith No More do a bit of hip hop with uh, with rock. We'd heard Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, or something, kind of but fun. no one had ever done it like this. No, this was so hard as fucking nails, balls yeah. out, punched to the forehead. When I was trying to work out number one, you know, I, I just thought about what I've been playing this year. Yeah. What I've been listening to. And... If I'm in the car and I'm looking for a song, I'm like, oh, what am I going to put on? And 
more often than not this year, it's been Rage Against the Machine. Right. I've been listening to Battle of Los Angeles and Evil Empire quite a lot this year. Love it. Listened, obviously, to uh, this tr- this album a load for the podcast. And, you know, went way, way, way more times listening than, than I needed to. Of course. Just I was yeah. into it. Because it, it's brilliant. You'll want to hear it again. And, you know, just listening to Zach's lyrics and how fucking good a lyricist and a good an MC he is. Yeah. Listen to how good Tom's... Uh, guitar sound, how good the rhythm section is. You know, uh, this is a band that came out of nowhere. And, you know, with something like this, which is a, a new sound, you'd think, okay, once other people start doing it, it'll be diluted. It won't sound as fresh as it once did. Sure. You know, sometimes when people do things well first, it's, you know, maybe in time they're one-trick ponies. But then I go, okay, well, you've got Audio Slave as well, where they basically mm. turned into Zeppelin with fucking Chris Cornell. Yeah. This is a brilliant band coming through, changing the game, changing the way I thought about what was possible in music yeah. forever. And it encapsulates that feeling of people coming together um, that that I love most about the 90s. Uh, but also musically, just brilliant. Every single song on here is a winner. Yeah. And w- when you listen to it, it still has an impact and a power behind it and an energy and an anger and a fury about wanting to change the world and wanting to make everything better. Mm-hmm. That hasn't diminished. It's still incredible. And look, I, I've spent quite a bit of the last 20 to 28 years since this album came out listening to some of the heaviest music the world's got to offer. Sure, yep. You know, kind of death metal and black metal and fucking... Mm-hmm. You know, all these different fucking genres. And I still have very rarely heard anything that's close to as heavy as this record. Oh, and as exciting. Uh, absolutely. As, as just adrenaline-inducing exciting. And fair enough, you know, it plays to the things I'm into. It, 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 it of course. Bought, uh, you know, it introduced me to lots of ways of thinking about things. It introduced me to so many bits and... But it was just a very important record yeah. in my life, and that's why I've put it as number one. Perfect. No, I, I can't argue with that. Be- both Beastie can't Boys complain. and Faith No More could also have been my top yeah. spot, really. I mean, realistically, Faith No More, Beastie Boys, and Rage Against the Machine are my number They're on. one. Yes, yeah. there you go. Okay, well, what song do you want to put into the playlist of uh, this album? Do you know what? I'm just going to gonna go with, with the first one I ever heard. I'm going to go with Bullet in the Head. Ah, it was your introduction to the band, It's my it? introduction yeah. to the band. Uh, you know, I can, I can pick any track on this album pretty much, but of course. it's going to be Bullet. I'm going to go with uh, Freedom. <laughs> I, it's the last track on there it's the one that it, the huge riff to kick it off and the, the final kind of balls out finale of the album I think it's brilliant so I'm going to go with, with that yeah. absolutely mate I don't blame you I mean obviously both Beastie Boys and uh, and uh, Rage Against the Machine hugely represented across the list oh, it's, it's, it, it, there's almost all of them have at least one of those in there yeah very true which just shows the uh, the great taste that our listeners have absolutely absolutely as I say we're going to put all these lists up uh, on there thank you so much to everyone that contributed for the list thanks yeah, to everyone really that kind it. of got involved with the conversation actually you know a lot of people I don't even know if you listen to the podcast joined in for this Yeah, lovely to be a part of that um, we hope we, we create an environment where people f- feel like they want to join in uh, that's yeah. one of our favourite things about doing this it's, I think. it's really nice to just hear from people who are kind of on the same wavelength and have as much enthusiasm as I hope it comes across that we do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. It's a, yeah, it, it's great, man. It's a, it's a, you know the the interaction that we've had with people recently is making us think about how we can do more interactive bits and pieces further down the line. You know, yeah, so we're thinking knows? of setting ourselves up as cam girls, fingering our anuses mm-hmm. in unison. Mm. 
uh, not the union for <laughs> that teachers union. Yeah, they're, 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 <laughs> the, the members of of Unison have made it very clear that they're not affiliated with their <laughs> anal fingering uh, cams. Make that we're their running. loss, frankly. Absolutely. So, yeah, this this is it for 1992 for us. Yeah, we're kind of wrapping that one up. That's that's the sort of the pinnacle of season three, 1992. Three we seasons. Are, we are going to do a Christmas special though. So we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll do a Christmas special coming up uh, as soon as we can get that ready. It'll be out around Christmas Day. But that is kind of it for, for this season. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank I you guess. very much. We're going to try and make sure there's not as big a gap this time as we've had sometimes in the past. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, as I say, this is very much... Uh, a hobby, uh, yeah. an increasingly expensive hobby. <laughs> oh, indeed, yeah. Um, Dave is spending money hand over fist on getting out the uh, the studio. The, the studio that's going to be. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, they're, they're, word of warning: we might have to put some fucking adverts in this thing <laughs> at some point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sellouts. Oh fuck it. Anyway, uh, look, guys, um, we will be back with a brand new season season four of 1993 whenever we get round to it whenever that starts look out for that we like i say we'll have a christmas special and maybe a couple of bonus things at some yeah. point but yeah it's been a lot of fun for this one thank you for joining us thank you for joining us indeed see you next time guys cheers bye thank you for checking out this episode of pop collaborate and listen it was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologise. We are on Twitter, at PCL Podcast, on Instagram, also at PCL Podcast, and Facebook.com slash PCL Podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is PCLPodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on PCLMusicPodcast at gmail.com. Hello, I'm Stephen Hill from the Riot Act podcast, the alternative music podcast, and this is my co-host, Renfrey Deadman. Hello. Go on, say something, Renfrey. I'm saying hey, things. Goodness me. All right, good. Hey, we just want to say a very big thanks to Dave and Krista for inviting us to be involved in this, the countdown of the albums of 1992. Not even the countdown, our, our favourite. I'd love to do a countdown, because I'll tell you what, Renfrey, let people who don't know anything about our podcast into a little secret. Fuck! With, do we like the 90s? Oh, God, we like the 90s. We, oh, wang, we, do we? we wang on about the 90s all the time, so this is a bit of us, very much so. So, yeah, thank you, Dave and Christopher, for inviting us on to do this. Really, 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 really good. And what's mad about the 90s is 1992, I just was picking what my favourite album could have been. I don't even think 1992 is a massively standout year, and yet there's still fucking loads of records that mm. i could have picked mm. loads and loads of records that i could have picked obviously up by right said fred stood out a mile <laughs> um just pipped at the post at the last minute by my pick <laughs> my pick um which is the self-titled album by rage against the machine never heard of it i think yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh i mean I kind of almost didn't want to pick this because it seems so blindingly obvious to mm. pick Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. It's so obvious. I mean, over as the years have progressed, I've started to think that maybe it's not even the best Rage Against the Machine album. You're a big e seen... you're an Evil Empire fan, aren't you? I am an Evil Empire guy. I mean, you know, talking about how much I like the nineties, nineteen ninety six, the greatest year for music ever. Oh, here we go. That's yeah. a, no no no, that's it. That's all gonna little tease there, that's what it is. Um but you know, you cannot argue with just how phenomenal that debut Rage Against the Machine album is. And I think 
when it came to it, I was looking at stuff like, I mean, we've spoken about it. Copper Blue by Sugar, Southern Harmony by The Black Crows, Automatic for the People by R.E.M. is obviously an amazing record as well. Yes. And The Chronic by Dr. Dre. There's loads of what, what you're going to pick as well. Mm. But for me, Radiance the Machine is the only one of those albums that still sounds like it's about to be released in a year's time from now. It sounds so incredibly forward thinking for 2020. Mm let alone 1992 mm. yeah oh, unbelievable record like yeah. just an, a complete and utter phenomenon of a record and the fact that people are still losing their shit from our age like grizzled old haggard assholes like us all the way down to sort of 15 16 year old kids are discovering this record discovering how incredible it still is i think speaks volumes for just the enduring brilliance of this record mm. i mean it's definitely not the first rap and rock melding ever yeah. but it's certainly i would argue the the the, the gold star the gold standard of how to do it mm. and recorded it live as well with a bunch mm. of people hanging around completely revolutionized i think the way that you think of rap in rock music the way you think of rock guitars the stuff that a rhythm section can do it's just it's an 11 out of 10 record mm. and an all-time classic and i mean you know this as well you're listening going yeah i know this mate i know <laughs> because everybody knows this it's that good there's not really anything i can say other than well obviously it's radiance machine obviously mm. it is mm. I mean, it's a very, very good pick. Not quite as good as my pick, in my opinion, obviously. Um, I think I have to go with Angel Dust by Faith No More, one of the most creative bands ever, a band impossible mm. to pigeonhole. Um, I think, I mean, Mike Patton is just a god amongst men, isn't he? You know, um, we yeah. talked about Mike Patton so many times on, on our podcast, Riot Act, and how much we absolutely adore just anything that he puts his name to he can he can do anything at mm. all whether it's like opera or 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 screaming with dillinger escape plan or like there's so many he has a very idiosyncratic but very kind of um identifiable pattern-esque sound and then but the songs on angel dust are just the 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 absolute best songs they've ever and i mean jizz lobber there's a song called jizz lobber on Angel Dust. Is I, there is there a song uh, called Jizz Lobber on Rage Against the Machine? I don't think well, I there don't is. Think you can, there's not much of a political allegorical statement to be making from a song called Jizz Lobber. <laughs> I think that's quite important for Rage Against the Machine, actually. So that's probably why they eschewed that title. I'd rather have Jizz Lobber than politics, personally. Um, I don't know what that says about me. But um, uh, I just think, like, you've got Midlife Crisis, Land of Sunshine, Everything's Ruined, which I think might be my favourite Faith No More song ever mm. um just mm. singing so joyfully and everything's ruined just love it um this is not even your favorite you love faith no more but it's not even faith your no favorite more my faith second no favorite yeah it's a faith no more my second favorite band ever mm. and yet i don't think this is the best faith no more album silly I, boy no i don't think it is i think <laughs> king for a day is the best faith no more album again i mean this is a brilliant 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 incredible staggeringly original unique mind-blowing collage of all these different sounds which well, when i first heard it i just couldn't believe it but yeah. i still do think that addition of the the real kind of smooth jazz swing stuff and they're much heavier on king for a day as well that's but true i think the the dynamics between the two are greater mm -hmm. on that album and take nothing away from angel dust which is again 
perfect mm. but you're you know I'm, I'm really splitting hairs between which of the two are the best but i i personally think uh king for a day is <sighs> but the just s- pips it but the songs steve the songs steve and we talk about a lot how um bands sometimes release records which have lots and lots of different styles on them but they're not cohesive and mm. i mean this album goes to so many different places and yet it seems to have a cohesive sound throughout and i think that's a really really difficult thing to achieve when you're you know when you go from a song like crack hitler to a cover of lionel richie's easy it's utterly ridiculous but sublime the way that they managed to package it all together and and make a cohesive record out of the whole thing so yeah that's my pick angel dust they are a very very good band i think that's two very very good bands that we've picked they're very good i was i was being facetious when i was taking the pick out rage against the machine yeah (laughs) oddly similar and yet very very different at the same time but hey that was the 90s everything was somehow weirdly threaded together by lieu of the fact that nothing sounded like anything else that sounds right like now shit now isn't it <laughs> anyway thanks guys thanks, so thanks guys <laughs> thanks for having us and reminding us of just just how shit everything is now we really appreciate it we'll, we'll end that now see you later <laughs>